0: The stories of some of the world's greatest women unfold here. I am Annette Comer, your host, and each week, the untold secrets of success, strength, and boldness of today's powerful women are revealed. Today's woman grew up in an upper-middle-class family where she was constantly exposed to business conversations. Even though she was a female, her dad and her engaged in a lot of father-son type activities. These moments made her believe there were no limits to what she could do as a woman. As she moved toward figuring out her future, her parents advised her to avoid pursuing technology-based careers as she would be competing with the smartest and the best. So she pursued law and eventually became general counsel in what is deemed a male-dominated space. Today, she serves as the Chief Legal Officer for a technology-based human resource company. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Lauren Sajak. Hi, Lauren. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. This is such a pleasure. And you have so much wisdom I want to uncover. So let's get right to it. Okay. You have been in a very male-dominated business space most of your career. When you have gotten knocked down, how do you get back up and keep going? It's an interesting question. I think I've refined how
1: I do that for sure in the last 10 years of my life or so. Um, I think in the beginning, um, you and I have talked a little bit about this, but in the beginning, when I joined um, my first in-house position coming out of law school, I was really fortunate that I came right out of law school into a technology company, um, which is at the time was unheard of. There were a lot more lawyers coming into the field uh, then than there are now. Um so in the beginning, I would I would sort of power through it, right? I, I put on this this, for lack of a better term, sort of male uh, persona to sort of get through my day and and sort of interact in a field that I didn't have any experience in yet. Um, so when I fell down in the beginning, I would just sort of push through and not really take into consideration or or process, you know, what was the mistake? What could I have done differently? How can I be more true to myself in in responding to something? In the last 10 years, um, and I have had a lot of, I have the unique opportunity to be in a role now that is really the confluence of the things that I believe in. You know, being authentic as a leader, looking at the workplace as being a human centered place. Um, And I've also personally gone through a really acrimonious divorce, have been a single mom. It's sort of changed my whole perspective. So now I think the way that I deal with falling down. Um, it is really different. It's very much about my community. It's very much about looking inside of myself um, and trying to sort of own what's mine, but not own the whole problem. Um, and reach out to those that, that I rely on, my, my cohorts, my, my girlfriends, my, my peers, male and female, to say, okay, well, this happened. How would you have done it differently? And sort of gather the communal wisdom a little bit so for sure, that perspective that I had that was, you know, it was me against the world or me against the the company that I was in has opened up a lot more. Um, and I'm finding it very, very much more rewarding to kind of even falling down or succeeding to look to those people around me and share both of those aspects
0: of life. So I'm going to stay with this just for a second longer because it, it is dangerous when we fall down for us to take and internalize it and just mm-hmm. tear ourselves apart. And I find that women, especially driven women, are notorious for doing that. It's almost um, a sense of perfectionism that to do it right. We're so good at so many things and we beat ourselves up when we don't do something well or we mm-hmm. get chastised for something. Maybe we did it well, but it didn't fit the social norms.
1: I, I think that's absolutely true for sure. I, I think, and I think we don't, we don't have enough models as as women leaders um, of of doing something different other than sort of internalizing it. I think it's for so long and, and it's such a great place to be that there are so many of us now, right? Setting examples and being role models for for women and girls who are coming up behind us. But but in the beginning of it, I think there there was so much of, of you're a lone wolf or you're you're the only, that there wasn't a model to, to sort of look to to say, you know, if something went wrong. Um, And I think it's true that 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 psychology of of very driven women to sort of look inward and say, well, I I own this. I've got to I screwed up. I've got to fix X, Y and Z. Um, I think I'm starting to see that change, at least in the in the folks that I touch on a regular basis. Um, So I hope that that continues down that path, because I think it's it's obviously so destructive to take on everything as your own and internalize it. And it holds you back from being able to be the best that you can be. Well, we end up sabotaging
0: ourselves. Yeah, so for sure. Mm. So sexual harassment is something most women in male-dominated spaces have experienced. I know I've certainly got my own horror story. So <laughs> what has this been for you and how have you navigated it as an attorney? Um, well, I think
1: like like many uh, women leaders and, and women in the workplace that I know, um, I have been the recipient of of several different instances of that. Um, some handled horribly and some handled, um, fairly graciously. Um, it's funny that we just talked about internalizing. I think in any kind of situation like that, where there's harassment or discrimination, there is, and I have struggled to kind of work through my own issues for sort of taking some of that on. There is that natural, well, I must've done something I must have. Right. (laughs) Um, so, so for sure, in the beginning, in the first time Mm -hmm. that that had happened to me, I was um, first of all, I was not only shocked, um, my, my background and my upbringing, as you talked about in the intro, I didn't really have an expectation that there would be discrimination or harassment. So so there was the shock, like, how can this, I mean, I, I know it happens, but how can this happen to me? Um, and then secondarily, the, well, I must have done something, or I should have done this, or I shouldn't have said that, or I was too inviting in my language, or, you know, you can think of a thousand different reasons Um, fortunately, um, you know, not fortunately the next time, but there was a next time and it was handled very differently, but I was a better advocate for myself. I think part of the thing, you know, the, the, the journey or the cycle that you, if you will, that women leaders need to undertake is not only sort of letting go of some of that inner critic but being able to sort of advocate for themselves in a in a stronger and, and more authentic way. It's certainly been part of my journey over the last handful of years to um to just find and stand in my value. Um, and so although unfortunate a, a second occurrence did happen, um I was able to say like, okay, so by the way, I'm the counsel of this company and this is how we should handle it. And this is how we should handle it for everyone that this happens to. And I'm gonna make sure that this is documented and treated the right way and and bring in the human aspect because this is an emotional thing for someone to process. So we always should be looking at it through that lens.
0: Uh, It's interesting. I'm I'm gonna stay here just for a second because this touches me in a very personal way. And something that you said um, I can very much relate to and probably some listening can as well is this shock value. I remember the first time that I really encountered sexual harassment in my corporate career. I was in my late 20s, and I was working with a colleague, and he reached out and grabbed my breast. And I'll never forget it. I I was so shocked. I didn't even know. I mean, I turned around and walked out of his office because I didn't even know what to say. And I was like you. It took me a while to process it. But, you know, I never reported that to upper management. I did go back eventually and talk to him and tell him that he can never ever invade my personal space like that again. But in reality, I probably should have taken it a step further. Mm. But it was it was kind of shocking. <laughs> it is it is shocking. It's it is shocking, and it. Um, I
1: think only by the grace of the the work that I do, right, as a, as an attorney, right, I, I reported every, like the minute it happened. So I, I I am thankful that I have sort of that grounding in that training. Um, but I agree with you. the The shock and and sort of the unexpectedness caught me so <laughs> off guard. I, I mean, I, you know, especially in my role in in a in a company to have that happen,
0: you sort of shake your head and say, "Like, what? what really? <laughs> well, it's, it's surreal. It really <laughs> it is. It's surreal. surreal. Yeah. And, and I think some people wonder and and are confused by why women don't report some of these incidents. Mm. But for me. Um, it wasn't a fear. It was, I was just so shocked. I, I. I, it took me a long time to process. How could that even happen? It took away a sense of, of idealism and maybe innocence in some way of where women played in the business world. And I'm like you, it happened. It didn't, it wasn't the first time, unfortunately. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, 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 that resonates with me taking away the innocence. I think, um, you know, up until that point, right? Especially as a young lawyer, you're thinking, "All right, well, I'm just going to roll with the punches and keep doing my thing." And then, like you, I, it, it sort of took me off my path, right? There was right. there was an awful lot of kind of processing emotionally and trying to understand how that could happen.
0: It, it takes right. something away, right? It, it certainly does, and I felt very alone. There was yeah. I didn't even know who I would have talked to. Well. Yeah, for sure. So you told me the higher you have risen in positions of power, the lonelier it's got. What did you mean by this?
1: Mm. Uh, I I think there are lots of different levels. It it is it's lonely to be. I've discussed um, the fact that I've been in many of the positions that I've taken and, and, and very grateful for all of them that I've been the only woman, the only woman executive, the only female, right? C-level. There is a different experience. There is a different um, emotionality. There is a sort of everything I think that comes at you, especially as you rise up the ranks, I think is different, right? We can't, I, I always hearken back to the, you know, the, the Venus Mars, right? That whole discussion about how men and women are different, but I truly think that Women leaders are are very much more plugged into how their de- decisions affect all of the folks, that, right? That all of their community or the downstream effects of a particular decision. Um, and so, I think the burden is um, heavier on a woman to be to the the higher you rise up in the levels, and and right, whether you have a partner to discuss it with or whether you have. Friends that do different jobs or are in different phases of their lives, it's a very hard thing to describe to someone else. Um, it, it's funny, some of the initial responses that I got when I tried to share, well, I'm having this really hard time. I need to make this decision, or I need to make the case to the CEO for this. A lot of the feedback I would get, what, well, well, I mean, those are first-world problems, right? Like, what are you complaining about? So there was that. <laughs> and then there was this other sort of lack of understanding, like well, I mean, why are you going so through so many cycles? Like I know other people, other men that are in those roles and they don't spin the cycles or think about all of the machinations of how this could play out. Why are you making yourself crazy? <laughs> so it's very, I mean, I have found that it is a very lonely place to be um, because there just isn't the same level of community and there isn't um, for me, there, I've, I've tried to grow my own community so that I do have a place to go. But it isn't a natural thing, I think, necessarily, that, that there is this place to share um, and to build experience and to have camaraderie. So um, trying to make decisions, trying to do the right thing, trying to be the best version of yourself as a leader when, when there aren't very many models to look at is, is a hard place to be. And, and it's lonely.
0: And in that space, there's a level of self-confidence that starts to develop. Did it, Was there a secret to you figuring that out, Lauren? Or was uh, I, it just a journey? <laughs> it was certainly a journey. Um, and, and it wasn't
1: overnight. I, one of the big um, sort of grounding undertakings that I do at practice every day is meditate. Um, and in the beginning, when I started it 20 years ago, nobody talked about doing that. Um and I didn't even know how to do it at first. I mean, there weren't, there weren't half the resources that there are now. Um, but I have persisted in it. And I think for me, having that grounding, even if it's five minutes a day, I'm, I'm a single mom of three teenagers, so I don't have a whole lot of time. But, um, even if it's five minutes in the morning to kind of get the grounding and, and check in some practice of checking in with yourself, I think is part of the way forward because how can you hope to achieve a more authentic, Um, leadership model, a a more authentic version of yourself as a leader, if you're not checking in with, how do I feel about this? Or how am I reacting to this? Um, So for me, that was really a big part of my journey.
0: women get blindsided in business relationships and deals regarding what is a trade versus a gift. So my question to you is, why does this happen to women from your perspective? And how can they avoid having this blind spot trip them up?
1: It's an interesting question. I I think part of that is, part of that in my mind, harkens back to the conversation we just had about women supporting other women. I think it is ultimately um, a lack of, of model, right? There, there aren't enough models um, for women to follow. So it, at least I'm putting myself in that place. And certainly that has happened to me. Um, and I think for me, I vacillated between um, when, when I have a, a female colleague or, or a female adversary, I'm looking for the support and I'm maybe more, Um, I'm glossing over some of the, the warning signs that I otherwise would have, or I'm, I'm taking the other, um, path and, and sort of being adversarial just for the sake of being adversarial, right? That person kind of echoes back to you. Well, I'm not going to support you. So then you get into that back and forth. But I think really it is about, um, Not having enough examples, not being able to, um, observe, that back and forth enough such that it becomes intrinsic to you not to get caught up or not to be, um, not to see red flags or signs that you would see in any other circumstance. Um, I, I think that's why it's certainly a phenomenon that I've seen many times. Um, and I think there's probably a. am I'm, I'm no psychologist, but there's probably a, a, a deeper psychological under, underpinning, but I certainly see that happening all the time. And and I think we all need to work on supporting one another and and modeling our best
0: so that we try to get past those issues. So today, women are told they need to be authentic leaders. But yet you said you had to feel safe psychologically to do this. So how did you Mm -hmm. get a place of feeling safe enough to truly be an authentic leader? A big part of it is that
1: I was fortunate to be where I'm at. Um, as I mentioned, I, I have been at a place where, where a human centric culture is very much about what we do and, and what we provide to others. So I was exposed to all sorts of different theories and thoughts about what the workplace should be more of a melding of, um, home life and work life. Um, so I think exposure to that sort of helped me to get to a place where I felt safe, um, But I also, I think tuning into, I keep coming back to my meditation, but I'm finding it's so important to to the rest of it. I I took time to tune in sort of during this journey and I think did a couple of things. One, um, was able to course correct more quickly if something didn't feel right. Um, And two, I was able to celebrate the things that I did that that really resonated with me. Um, So it was for me um really a, a great fortune to be in a place where I could do that and I was in the right place where I was constantly self-reinforcing that it was okay. It was okay to keep practicing this. Um, but I think you can create a space um by building a community. I, I think um even one other person in your workplace can create the psychological safety that you need to at least start sharing. Well, this is a hard decision for me or you know, and and not you're not going to sort of throw your whole job on this person's plate, but but bit, tidbits of things, I think, can build the bond and create the start of a community. And the more we create connections with the folks that we work with, male or female, the more safe we feel to continue to express or unveil who we really are. That's the only way that I can see that that, that is created, is by continuing to strengthen
0: your human connections. Do you think the authenticity space for us as women leaders gets still muddied by the you should, should on, what I call being should on. Uh You should do this. (laughs) You should behave this way. You should this. And, and, you know, I heard that as a young woman, but I hear it at this point in my life as well. Mm -hmm. It seems to never go away. And I would think after decades that I would be immune to it, but it still (laughs) keeps popping up.
1: Have you seen the same? I have. I see it all the time. There was a period of time, I think, right when I got divorced, that I that I um, decided that I was not going to use that term anymore to anyone, and it was hard to sort of eliminate it from my vocabulary. Um, But that was sort of predicated on I, I truly understood for the first time that that sort of making judgments or or trying to understand someone else's story when you're not living in their story is is useless and and unnecessarily judgmental. Um, but I see it in the workplace all the time. It does get, I think this whole, the space that I, that I feel like I should live in, um, certainly doesn't need any more muddying of the waters. Um, it's unfortunate that, that there are sort of all of these, these layers on top of, of what really should be a very simple journey of us finding who we are and showing that to the world in our leadership, um, I think again it's part of the dialogue that that it's very much like you know the question of should you should you right should you be at work should you should you have children right I, I hear that in that dialogue all the time, um, and I think all we can do is model um, that that any choice is okay with anyone, and that all we should do is support one another.
0: So I'm going to stay in this space a little bit longer. So, you know, we talk about these support systems and the mentoring and this type of thing that we can do for the generations that are becoming behind you and me. Mm -hmm. But what about women our age, Lauren? What do we need? Because now we're at a place, I mean, you're at a place where you're soon going to be an empty nester. You will have these children raised. They'll go on to college and many women in their 40s, 50s, and 60s now find themselves, and they're very driven. What do you think these women need? These women are you and I. I can only
1: tell you what I think I need. And it's funny because in the beginning of my career, I was, you know, you you network and you make connections, but I, I, I did it admittedly. Um, to find a path to the next thing or another opportunity. I never did it for just the sake of making the connection. Um, And I have started to do that over the last handful of years. And the most amazing things have have come out of it. And I I know it sounds a little, it sounds kind of hokey and a little cliche and believe me, like the the me of 10 years ago would have been like, what? Mm -hmm. Um, But the, the connections that I have made, um, to opportunities to, to be on boards, to just relationships, to a golf partner, to, I mean, these things have come out and, and rounded out my life in such a way that I think it it can't be a bad thing for, especially for those of us who are driven, ambitious women who have sort of been forward-looking our whole lives to sort of reach out a little bit and see where you can expand into places that give you a different kind of satisfaction. At least for me, that, that has really made all the difference. Um, as you said, I mean, like my kids are kind of old, getting older and getting ready to, so what's left for me? Well, all of these other things, all of these other connections and relationships and, and more golf with my golf partner where we laugh at how terrible we are and, and, (laughs) and sitting on the board of the Soul project, which is, um, helping to sort of uncover our our unconscious biases, especially between and amongst women and and helping the folks at the Leader Mom Project try to build a model and a dialogue for women who aspire to be leaders and who are moms, right? Those are the things that I wish I had had back then. um, And they give me such a huge amount of joy more so than than the work I do every day. Um, So I think that's what we need more of.
0: Yeah, and and I'm thinking about my own journey and I was like you and all those early years in my 20s and 30s and even in my early 40s, I was very much thinking about who could I connect with that could help me get to the next level of success, whether it be in the corporate or in my entrepreneur journey. And if they couldn't do that, I really didn't have time for them. And it has been, it it is, it's an interesting switch and and maybe it's the uh, natural progression of maturing mm. but i'm like you in that i now build relationships on two parameters one do they make me better as a human being and do they add meaning and joy to my life mm-hmm. and if they satisfy one of those attributes they're a winner mm-hmm. if they satisfy both they're gold mm-hmm. And it's a totally different lens of looking through how you build a network and a tribe around you. Yeah, it is a very different lens. It's it's really interesting. And can we take the younger versions of ourselves and help those women come along into that space faster than we got there? Don't know. So as an executive, you found marriage a difficult path and you eventually divorced. So why was this? And what advice would you give to other professional businesswomen about marriage relationships? I think
1: part of what I realized after the fact, I was married for 17 years to actually another attorney. Um, I think part of what I realized after the fact was I, I chose a little bit based on what it looked like on paper. Um, and, and I, I, you know, I think, especially as a lawyer, you're kind of hard pressed not to do that, right? To sit back and make the pros and cons list. I and mean, then we do that with everything. Um, and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, But I do think what I realized after the fact was that there was more competition between the two of us. We did very similar jobs throughout the course of our marriage than than was otherwise healthy. Um, And it was, it it got to the point where there was not the sharing of how was your day. There was more of a one-upmanship on, I did this today. I did this. So obviously not the healthy context for a marriage. I think my advice would be... I, the other thing I did was, was and I was, I was not, I was 26 when I got married, so young ish. Um, but I was in a huge rush. Everyone else I knew was getting married. Everyone else, like even people that I went to college with and law school with were having children. I was like, oh, I'm missing out. Uh, so I was in a rush. Um, so my first piece of advice would be do not rush. Um, my second piece of advice would be pick someone who, who, when everything else falls away, when, when your careers don't matter and money doesn't matter and your looks are gone, you can sit somewhere with a view or no view, with a drink or no drink and actually enjoy talking to them. I, I don't think anybody ever said that to me. And, I, and if I had taken that one piece of advice and focused on that, I would have ended up in a better place.
0: So that would be my one piece of advice. And I think that's brilliant advice. I really do. <laughs> So Lauren, is there anything about your journey to greatness that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with other women?
1: Um, I think the only thing, and we've, we've touched a little bit on it, um, I'm very much an advocate, um, obviously, of trying to find a model of authentic leadership and, and about being sort of in service to the folks that you lead. But it, but the interesting part of it that I also feel as strongly about, and, and and again, we've hinted on it, is I think we need to be bolder as as women, and I and I think we need to. I sort of call it um, "don't ditch the bitch," right? That there that thing that if you and I, I see it a lot in in my role, like within a company, you're the lawyer, you're always saying no. And in the beginning, I would cringe and oh, I got to say no again. It, it's only um, when I sort of embraced that and said, you know what, that's what I'm supposed to say. I don't say no when I'm not supposed to. I am giving the right direction and I owned it. And so it is, I think it's really just a message of we need to work better, maybe not harder, better at owning our own value. Um, and really being okay with all of the things we have to do during the workday and at home and to harmonize the two Um the more of us that can can stand in our value and say like, "Yep, yeah, I got it,
0: the better for everyone. And I think that's a brilliant perspective and nuggets of wisdom to end our interview on. And Lauren, thank you so much for taking time out of your crazy schedule with your work and with your children and all the other activities you're involved in. You don't have a lot of time. And I'm so grateful that you were willing to come and share your nuggets of wisdom from your journey.
1: Well, I am so grateful to be here. This was such a great conversation, and you are doing such great work. So, thank you.
0: Thank you. And Lauren is another great example of how women are challenging the norm, making things happen, and demanding their own greatness. So, join me next time on the World's Greatest Women's Show as another powerful woman's story unfolds. <laughs>